and welcome to Map Bites episode 21. I'm Elaine Giles and I'm here with my co-host Mike Thomas. In this episode we're going to be taking a look at calendars, iCal and other calendar apps and utilities that we both use. But before that there's lots to catch up from from last week's show. Yeah, on last week's show we discussed screen capture utilities and one that we didn't mention was Grab which is built into OS X and you get to it via Applications Utilities folder. It allows you to capture screen, window or a freeform area and it also has timed capture. Uh, 10 seconds after you issue a command it then grabs the screen. So it saves learning all those hideous shortcuts and it allows you to save it as a TIFF so you get a much better quality uh, image. Yeah, I use TIFFs when I'm using um screenshots in manuals yeah i mean you, you can take the one that it gives you uh when you do your, your command shift and three or four and open that in preview and save that out as a tiff but this does it straight away for you yep sounds like a good app uh, i know we meant to mention it last week and we forgot no slap on the wrist for us fair enough uh couple of others that we didn't mention last week and we've uh, been uh, told about. Uh, one from Gasmas is ZapGrab and that's for Windows. It's free and you can get that from zapgrab.net. So uh, I will have a go at that, me being the Windows user. Yes, I've put that um, in the, in the um, comments. I, I did mention I was handing that over to you to look at. And from Stargate John, another Mac screen capture application is Voila. Sounds French to me. Similar in concept to Little Snapper in that you can annotate screen captures, but it lacks the service similar to Quick Snapper. Oh, now Quick Snapper makes it worthwhile for me. So I think I'm going to stick with Quick Snapper. And last week, I talked about a problem with a Vista snipping tool uh, when trying to capture a menu. Well, I found a solution and you can read all about that on my blog. Nothing like self-promotion, is there? I take it you've put the address in the show notes as well? I have indeed. Fair enough. Remember last week when you referred to me as the last of the big spenders? I do. Well, I can get my own back now. No! How much, That's just me. How much did it cost you to upgrade your entire iTunes collection to DRM free? <clears throat> yes, I'm a bit behind with this because uh, it was launched during my hospital stay and I never got round to doing it. But after careful thought and consideration, I splashed out. And I spent, um, I upgraded everything in my iTunes library and I spent £1.94. Well, that's £1.94 than, more than me. Uh, all my iTunes music has been ripped legally, I might add, from my CD collection. Though I do have a couple of freebies from the 12 Days of Christmas. I'm not sure if that is legal. But there you go. Never mind. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. You don't buy from iTunes. Um, well, I did spend more than double what it cost me to upgrade my entire library um, on a really useful utility application from the App Store. Uh, it's called ICHM and it's a CHM reader for the Mac and iPhone. And you're thinking, what? Right, a CHM file is a compiled HTML help file uh, on Windows. You can't just use a browser to read it because it's compiled. You need software to read it. Um, I think it's built in automatically into Windows. But um, you, you often get books that come with um, discs and on the disc there will be a compiled help version of the book. So the idea is that you can take the book around with you electronically. But of course the problem is you can only read it on Windows. Now there is a converter, you've got a few options here. There's a converter to create a PDF from the compiled help file, but it's a Windows program and it's really slow. 
and the resulting PDF is hideous. Uh, you lose all the navigation, so um, you can search the PDF, but it, it's not pretty. It's really not pretty. Um, but one thing that I found for the Mac is called ICHM, and it's a Mac application that lets you read these compiled help files. But even better, uh, it's now available on the iPhone. There's two versions for the iPhone and one is free. The free version is absolutely fully functional, so it's not limited um, in functionality, but it only allows you to have access to one compiled help file at a time. But the paid for version, which is $3.99, so hence being more than double the upgrade to my entire collection, um, allows you to access multiple CHM files. So you can carry around a library of, uh, in my case, books, um, but uh, they could be anything that you have in CHM format. Might sound a bit niche, but it is incredibly useful for all those technical manuals which ship as CHM files, and I've got hundreds of them. And it's really convenient to have them on the phone as well, because even if you do take a Windows laptop with you and you've got them on there, if you've got them on the phone, you don't even have to boot it up. Uh, it's very quick. Um, it's one of those walled garden apps again. Um, it has its own little store that it, where it stores the files. Um, but it works really, really well. I've not had the problem giving me out of memory errors that I've been getting with uh, virtually everything else that reads files. So I'm really, really pleased with it. So $3.99 for ICHM. Highly recommended for all the techie folk out there. But it's not all been about work on the iPhone front this week. I found a free game and I got hooked playing it in absolutely every spare moment. Yeah, Paper Toss. I missed that one. You mentioned it to me and now it's installed and I'm addicted. It actually rates up there with bubble wrap. My word, hey. The last of the hardened gamers. Bubble wrap and Paper Toss. <laughs> For anyone who's not seen Paper Toss, it's a great little game. What you do is you try and toss this piece of paper, screwed up piece of paper, into a waste, pas uh, waste paper basket. And uh, every time you do, you get a point and you, you get a, an animated cheer. And every time you fail, then you get a, a, blue, a boo or um, what, what do they give you? Some abuse, I think, isn't it, from the, the, the office workers in there? I must admit, I didn't play it at first with the sound on, so I was unaware of that. Um, I was just being distracted by the Teletubbies background on the uh, Windows machine that sat on the table in the cubicle in the game. Mm. But it's a good game. It's a good game. It is. It's a bit of fun. Um, and whilst we're talking about wasting time, although some people might actually argue that gaming is not a waste of time. It is the way we play them. That's true. But I was actually referring to what a waste of time those new Microsoft ads are. They actually reminded me of the 1970s, those uh, public information films and other adverts. And the worst one was actually the one that was promoting IE8's private browsing feature. Uh, with a woman vomiting all over her partner after discovering his stash of porn. They were just so, so bad. I, I was explaining what that advert was like to my mother and she didn't believe me. So I played it for her and she just sat there looking at my iPhone, <laughs> staring at it dumbfounded. <laughs> uh, and I see they've pulled that one now as well. Yeah, that one's gone. Um, there is a link in the show notes to the story about it. Whether the, the link has actually got a copy of the video in, I'm not sure. Oh, you can still find it on YouTube. It's just not officially available from the Microsoft site or the Microsoft YouTube stream. And, mm. you know, there's some folk who say they don't like the I'm a PC, I'm a Mac ads. But I would rather be forced to watch those all day, every day, than those Microsoft ones absolutely any day. They are so bad. 
Uh, and anyway, I'm blaming those odds for yet another crisis this week. Um, a bad storm hit here on Wednesday and um, I was running around dutifully unplugging everything as you do. Let the storm pass, sat there, no internet. Well, I had my iPhone, but I contemplated whether that was actually a good idea having that turned on. And uh, the storm passed, I powered up again. And that was when the fun really started. Um, my father's router, no problem at all. My router powered up, connected to the network. Wireless network worked. All the lights were on. Sadly, no one was home. It would not connect to the ISP. So after much swearing, cursing, rummaging around through boxes of old equipment, I resurrected the B router. Yes, now, if you've listened to Matt Bites for a while, you'll know all about the B router. Um, it was fine, it connected, it was a bit slow, but... Um, Unbelievably, later that evening, the iPlayer problems resurfaced again. A year later, and they are still having problems with that. So, um, a new router and an Airport Express was soon on its way from Amazon. Got to love Amazon Prime. Brilliant, brilliant service. And um, a happy weekend was spent installing, reconfiguring, testing. And apart from the fact I seem to have um, disconnected one of Mike's cables. <clears throat> can't imagine how that happened. Um, all's well again now, isn't it? And my contribution to all this was to walk around the garden with my laptop to find the strongest signal. And a very important job that is too. Well, that wasn't the only fail of the week, was it? Who's been having fun with iCal this week? Oh, yes. And it was all so simple when I started, in theory. Uh, all I wanted to do was to set up some appointments in iCal that could be dragged out of iCal and uploaded to the MacBytes website. So just downloadable ICS files. All I wanted to include was a link to the website and a physical address where that was appropriate. So when we mention the NW Mug um, events, there is a physical address. So I wanted there to be a physical address in the location to um, provide a link to Google Maps. So adding in a link to the website was no problem. There's a URL field. But you can only add one link and um, remember that because that had an impact later. Uh, the physical address, I looked at the fields available and I put it in the location field. But it had no link to Google Maps at all. So, um, easy to fix, I thought. I'll add a URL to the Google Maps manually. But you can only have one URL. So, third attempt. Um, add the link to the event in the notes field. It wasn't ideal, but if it worked. Now, it did allow you to paste the link in. But there was a couple of gotchas. Uh, it wasn't clickable in iCal, so the person opening the event would have to copy this URL, which if you can imagine a Google Maps URL was about seven lines long, and then know to paste it into a browser. Um, conversely, the link was clickable, exactly the same link in exactly the same place on the iPhone. But that was when I noticed that the real URL field, that isn't shown on the iPhone at all. So I'm sat there looking at the two. Oh dear me. I wasn't to be outdone though. I had another plan. I would add a map as an attachment. So I create a PDF of the map and put the real URL in the note field. And that would mean that you could link to it from the iPhone, but you'd have the map that you could just look at on your desktop. And that was when it got even worse. I added a PDF of the map. I tested it. Yep, it worked. It worked great. I could open the attachment. I synced it to the phone no attachment at all. Uh, no indication there was even an attachment there. Yeah, apparently iCal can read attachments, but only when the phone is linked to an Exchange server. Which I don't connect to nor carry around with me, sadly. 
Um, but the bad news was it got even worse after that. <laughs> I shared the calendar with Mike and I sent him a copy of the ICS file to test. Um, and although the attachment was listed and it was clickable, it wouldn't open. So everywhere I turned, there was gotchas, one after the other, all lined up, chasing me. So um, the best I could do as a workaround, it's not ideal at all, is to put the link in the URL field where you will only be able to see it um, in iCal on the desktop. Put the map link in the notes. That will make it clickable on the iPhone, uh, but you'll have to copy and paste it from the desktop. Attach a separate V card for the location, which you could add to your address book, and that had absolutely everything in it, but uh, it was a separate file. And create a subscribable calendar via MobileMe. So I'm, I'm afraid that was a case of ever wish you'd not started something. That seemed so simple at the beginning, it was going to be a five minute job. So that's why this week we're taking a look at calendars. So what was your first electronic diary, Mike? It was a little device from Sharp that you bought for me. A calculator, address book and calendar all rolled into one. And I remember sitting there typing all the um, details into my calendar. It was great at the time. Uh, no doubt yours was more sophisticated. Um, not initially, no. I started with a paper filofax. But uh, once I got a computer, I did swiftly move along to um, software. And I started with Sidekick from Starfish Software. Remember them? I do remember them. Um, did you know that they were actually acquired by Motorola in 1998 and that Starfish's technology is actually now part of the Nokia platform? No, I didn't, but uh, I have no intention of moving to Nokia, even though I liked it at the time. But uh, I moved on from there when um, I started going out to more client sites and I needed to be a little bit more mobile. And I then got myself a Cyan organiser before moving on to a Palm Pilot and then a Sony Cly. Yeah, I remember the Cly, and uh, I, I think you bought it, and then I was so impressed I bought one the next day. Yes, uh, you didn't know it was coming, did you? And uh, when you set eyes on the box, oh, what's that? And uh, yes, you did. I think you had it on order that very same night. And um, we talked about that last week, didn't we? Yeah, I think we talked about it in relation to Agendas, uh, which was the uh, the front end for their calendar and address book. It just gave you a, a nicer look and feel and a lot more options. Mm. It actually had some conduits that synced it to Outlook. I remember managing to sync mine to Outlook, which was great. And then I even tried rolling my own, you know. I, I tried creating my own little calendar application in Access. Access was a nightmare. I, I did the same, um, but I wanted to create very nice printable pages. And the report view at the time in Access had no zoom. So it was an absolute nightmare to try and see if you, if everything had lined up properly. Uh, you had to print a PDF, have a look at it, and then go back, start again, then print, print another PDF. Nightmare, nightmare. Yeah, I think they added that zoom feature to Access just as you stopped using it. That'd be right. But then it was onto the beast that is Outlook which could probably do anything and everything you could possibly want with a calendar. But with just too many options, can lead you to just spending more time thinking about how you should do something rather than actually doing it. I actually only started to use Outlook when I worked for a training company and they insisted on keeping the calendars updated and the training administrator will put uh, appointments and training courses into our calendars. And uh, before that, I actually worked for a small training company and we used Project for the training schedules. 
good grief project the one out that's even worse than outlook for actually getting anything done yeah but uh, on to ical uh, indeed, I can. Um, well, I looked at it when I first got my Mac, but uh, I still had my mailing Outlook on a PC and it was a case of not really using it much for a few months. But when I decided I was going to transfer everything over to a Mac, I took a serious look at it and I wasn't really expecting to be greatly impressed because it looked so simple. Um, but as with everything Apple, it was deceptive and it pretty much did everything that it needs to do. Um, just not necessarily in an easy way, as we have discussed earlier with links and maps and things. Uh, but there's some great features in there too. Uh, my favourite's got to be the time zone support. Um, I attend and present at events scheduled in other time zones. Now, I'm happy to convert these times manually, but um, every time there's an event, um, the mailing list I'm subscribed to where the invitations are sent, just go mad with people asking what's the relevant time in their specific location. So with time zone support enabled, you enter the time from the originating time zone. So if you get an email from somebody in New York and you know it's New York time, you tell iCal which time zone it is and iCal then shows the correct time for your time zone. Um, so although I'm happy to convert my own, um, it has saved me a couple of times because um, the US and the UK have changed their clocks at different times the last couple of times. And um, I'm another hour out for maybe th up to three weeks and um, it has saved my bacon. One of my favourite features of uh, iCal is actually a way that you can use it to run scripts automatically. Uh, what I did is I built a script with Automator and I'd, uh, it was to run iTunes and update podcasts and I wanted to run it at 11 o'clock every night. So what I did is having created the script and, and saved that onto my uh, drive, I created a reoccurring event in uh, iCal, set the alarm to run script. There's an option in the drop down of run script, uh, chose the name of the script, uh, set it to zero minutes before. And uh, what I then did is when I've, you look at your list of calendars down the left hand side in iCal, um, I actually unticked that calendar so it doesn't show because otherwise I'd have the name of the script on every single day. However, it does sync with the iPhone. So when I actually look at my iPhone, I've actually got the name of that script on every single day. Now, I think there is a way around that, uh, although I'm not sure how to do that. I believe there is a way to uh, have certain calendars not syncing with the phone. I think there's definitely a way to at least not see it. Um, I was playing around for reasons that will become apparent with subscribable calendars. And um, I don't know how I did it now, but I ended up with a, a, an option page and you could take a tick out of a box to um, not show a calendar. Um, but I'm not sure how I managed that or what I was doing at the time, but I'm, I think it's there. I'll go back and uh, have a look at that if I can find it. Backing up as well um, is something that obviously we, we all should do. Uh, I used to use the backup command. There is a, an, an export command, but you have to actually have iCal open for that. And if you want to get a calendar back, then uh, you need to open iCal and import. But uh, what I now do is, as part of my regular nightly backup using Chronosync, I actually back up the whole of my home folder anyway. And the calendars are stored in a folder uh, within my user folder called library and then calendars. So uh, that's where they are and that's what I do. I found using uh, backing up that way, just backing up the whole folder, um, actually saved me a couple of times. Uh, I had a problem with mobile me at one point. 
and it somehow missynchronized down to one machine. Um, and I tried the backup from another machine. I tried sending the changes up to Mobile Me, um, and nothing was coming down correctly. So I decided in the end to um, just take the backup that I had of the whole folder from another machine and transplant it onto the MacBook Pro, and uh, it worked brilliantly. So um, the other thing is, like you say, Chronosync becomes the way that you back up and you can have everything running from the same type of backup rather than go through however many different applications you've got backing up in a different way for each application. So um, that's a good tip that too, would just back up the whole folder. Well, I was already doing it for the mail folder anyway, so I just extended it to the, the whole of my home folder. Hmm. The only thing to be careful of is when you do go and look at the backup or even if you go to your, your actual drive and, and look at it, the folders don't have uh, sensible names that relate to the actual calendars. No, but I, I only use it in a dire emergency. Um, and I think if you when I move from machine to machine, um, that is how I, I take it across. And then it doesn't really matter what they're called. I'll admit for um, a more for, for restoring one. Um, item or something like that then yes you'd you'd probably struggle that way you can always use the backup um, that iCal provides as well as but backing up that folder has saved me more than once so uh, that's the way I would choose to do it if I could only do it one way that's the way I, I'd do it Something else that I find interesting, well, interesting for me, is the different views because I have weak view. I have it set to weak view at work in Outlook, but on um, iCal, I actually have it set to month view on the Mac and I have it set to list view on the iPhone. Um, I tend to use month view, but there is an option and it's not set by default. Um, and when I changed machines, I thought this doesn't it doesn't feel right. What's the matter with it? And it took me a couple of minutes to realize um, in month view. I, I like month view, but I do like to see the appointment times and the default is not to show appointment times in month view. So you need to go into the preferences and enable that option. And then uh, it feels it feels like home then. Yeah, funny you mention that because I, I actually had that turned off um, a couple of weeks ago and I didn't notice. So I knew where the option was in, in the options, but uh, I don't know why it was turned off. Well, not if it's not a new installation. Mine was a new installation and no, that's why it was off. it wasn't a new installation. Maybe I've gone in and turned it off or something. Maybe you've been playing around. Sounds likely. Mm. I actually used to use the to-do list, uh, but we don't tend to use that now, do we? Um, but because of sharing and synchronising, um, I can't remember what the actual fault was that developed, but I think they're called calendars, the categories that you have on the left-hand side. Um, and to me, they aren't calendars, they are categories. Because if I want to synchronise certain things and not other things, then they have to be in a separate calendar. And in that case, calendar is a bad name for it. So um, you changed all your things to... Um, specific app, uh, events didn't you yeah i just made them if i've got something to do like to pay a bill for example i just made it an all-day event in a specific calendar uh, because i don't need to pay it at a specific time yeah to, to me so i don't use the calendar like that i i put um, I'm, I'm more gtd with that hard landscape and i tend to only put things in there that are time related i do have items in there that are, that i would call all-day events um, but I keep my to-dos totally separate. I, I don't try and get iCal to, to handle to-dos. Um, I know it, it links in with the mail um, a lot better than it used to, etc. But 
it just doesn't feel like the place to manage to-dos to me. I can't be as specific with them as I'd like to be. I'd also end up with um, even more calendars, which again to me are categories. So um, no, I don't have any to-dos in there at all. So it's all neat and tidy and it's all just um, events. And uh, yeah, like you say, that was because of sharing and synchronisation. Um, but what makes iCal work even better for me is the existence of a few helper applications. Um, as I said, out of the box, it's very simple. Um, you can get the job done with it, but there are a few applications, just like browsers and things, where there's like plugins that can help. Um, and these are specific to iCal, which can help. Uh, the first one I came across was Menu Calendar Clock which I installed literally just to do one job and that was to show me today's date in the menu bar um, because that was a feature I'd had on Windows forever and I really missed seeing today's date on the menu bar and I didn't use it for anything else initially but it can, there are three different versions of it there's an iCal version, an Entourage version and um, a version that doesn't link in with anything I think um, but what it does is it can read the data in from iCal and it allows you to access your appointments and tasks from the menu calendar clock interface without having to open iCal. So um, I found that increasingly useful the more that I started to use iCal. Yeah, I've started using that as well, um, not only just to, to have it displayed up in the, the menu bar, but uh, I've got into to a habit of checking uh, my sync calendars on my iPhone in the morning to see if I've got anything particular to do for that day, as I said, paying bills or, or something like that. And in the evening, uh, going up to the uh, menu bar and just hovering over menu calendar clock to see if there are any events that I need to do for that evening. So it's it's there right in your face. Yeah, one good thing with it is um, I found when you're actually in iCal and you're trying to navigate, um, I, as I say, I use month view, but there's very limited navigation. Um, you can use a shortcut key, which is command shift and T, and that will allow you to specify a date to go to. But if you just want to, um, if you know the date, then fine, you can go to the date. But if you're not sure of it um, and you want to have like a preview of maybe a few days, what you can do is rather than try and navigate in iCal, which can be difficult, you can navigate month by month in menu calendar clock. And when you find the event that you're trying to change, you can double click on it. It will open iCal and it will make that event the active event. So um, it's very good for navigation as well. And very cost effective. Um, it's available from Object Park Software for $19.95. And unless you want the integration with iCal, I do believe um, it's free if you do not have the integration with iCal. So if you do just want that date in the menu bar, then uh, very even more cost effective. Another utility that I use is something called Timetable. Um, you come across that one. I have indeed. Yeah, what it does is it actually filters iCal data and lets you export the data to a text file or a CSV file. It can do other things as well, but I had a particular need for it. So I, I actually found it when I had this particular need. As a lot of you know, we actually run uh, events, uh, online events for our trainers group and the Northwest Adobe user group. And we have uh, these events are in two separate iCal files. And what I wanted to do was to create a spreadsheet that listed the, all the events down a column, the date of the event, the time of the event, and then I needed to have other information about that event, such as was it listed on the website, uh, have we sent the invitations out and things like that. 
rather than actually sitting there and retyping all the events into the spreadsheet, I thought there must be a way to get the information out. I mean, Outlook can do it out of the box. But no, the only export facility is to actually create a, an ICS file in uh, iCal. So I found this, um, this particular uh, piece of software uh, as a way to do this. So what you do is you, you go in and you choose the calendar that you want to work on. There is a limitation that you can only have one calendar, or two. you can only work on one calendar at a time. Uh, and you can filter it, so you can filter it by the calendar. You can choose a date range and you can even choose a keyword. And one of the things with a keyword is it will search in the notes field as well. So it doesn't just search on the name of the calendar. And once you've got all your, your appointments, you just go to the menu and you say export to CSV file. You've got your CSV file, then you can import it into Numbers or Excel or whatever spreadsheet program you want to use. One of the other things that you can do is you can specify an hourly rate. So uh, if you bill out, say you work for yourself and you bill out, uh, it will calculate the number of hours that you've spent on a particular uh, set of tasks. It's uh, another one of these uh, cost-effective uh, applications. It's fi only $15 and it's available from stephenriggs.com, which I'm assuming is the name of the developer. Uh, and I'll put the URL into the show notes. It's amazing that you're using that for something so different than uh, I think it was actually intended for, hence the name timetable. Um, it's really to calculate how long you've spent on something for billing purposes, isn't it? Mm. But uh, that's all I wanted it for, to actually export it into a CSV file. It can export it into a text file as well, but I think uh, for importing into, um, into a spreadsheet, CSVs are uh, a more recognisable and, and universal format. Well, it's a cost-effective way to add the ability to um, account for your time into uh, iCal, isn't it? It is. As I've just mentioned, there are actually issues with timetable and multiple calendars. Um, I think I've got about five calendars of my own and I subscribe to some that you've created. So how many have you got? Well, like I say, I don't tend to think of them as calendars. I think of them as categories and um, I've got over 20. But I also use naming conventions for events. Um, so I may have an event um, and, and I tag some words on, on the beginning of it. So, for instance, if I'm doing um, a Northwest Adobe user group event, I'll put NWAG online uh, followed by a colon. And that means that when I do searches, um, I can be very specific. It gives me something to hook into. Um, so when I come to process appointments as a group with the search feature um, that's in iCal or other applications, such as one we're going to look at, um, I can be very specific and locate just the events I want. Otherwise, you start having to get very imaginative with um, your search criteria. So um, the one that I was going to look at is another application called Calibrate. And um, that has proved invaluable to me. Um, Calibrate allows me to batch process events in iCal. So I can move events, copy events, I can change specific information. So maybe the start time, finish time or, or anything really that is in your iCal event. Um, Calibrate can change for you on a, a batch basis. So um, you mentioned a limitation of timetable was that you could only process a single calendar. Well, a solution for that would be to create a temporary calendar and then use Calibrate to copy all your relevant events from maybe three other calendars into this temporary calendar and then run timetable. And once you've um, got extracted your information, you can delete that temporary calendar uh, when you're done. 
And uh, that's why naming conventions for the events are important, because they give you that hook uh, by which you can refer to or isolate your events within the data store. Yeah, that's a good idea. I've actually also used Calibrate to uh, process things. Uh, one I'm thinking of particularly is a fixture list for uh, Manchester United. What I did is I found an ICS file that somebody else had created on the web uh, with last season's fixtures in it. This was just before last season started, but it only had the dates in it. It had no kickoff times. So what I did is I used Calibrate to do a batch process. And I said, for this particular calendar, set the start time for everything to three o'clock. I mean, I know all matches don't I was going to say, that's pretty optimistic these days, isn't it? <laughs> well, yeah, it's a starting point, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, but set all the matches to, to have a starting time of three o'clock and set them all to have a duration of two hours. So although I did have to go through and change the starting times for a lot of the matches, at least it meant I could do them all in one go. And it also has a feature that allows you to move events from one calendar to another. Yeah, only if you organise yourself properly with naming conventions, as I've mentioned. Yeah, but in my case, the, the way, what I wanted to do was, rather than have one huge calendar for several seasons for the fixtures, I decided I would have one per season. So I'd have an active one and then historic ones, because once the season's gone, you don't really need to know what the matches were and you can refer back to them if necessary. Um, so what you should be able to do is go through and say, uh, for this calendar, move all the appointments, or you can just choose certain appointments with criteria to a different calendar. Uh, but when I've tried it, there seems to be a bug in it. So it looks like you've got to copy them and then go back and do a second pass through where you'll delete all the appointments from the first calendar. So uh, I'll email the developer on that one. I'd rather have to make a second pass to delete some events, though, than have the thing delete them uh, and delete too much for me. Yeah, true. I'll take your point on that one. But it's certainly worth a tiny cost, isn't it? Um, it's, it's only $8. And it's from a company called WoodenBrain.com, which I think is a great URL. <laughs> it is. And another application that we both use is BusySync, which is a great way to share calendars between the two of us. Uh, BusySync installs on both our machines and it allows you to share calendars with either users of the same Mac or another Mac on the network. And they can be password protected and or read only as well. So um, for us, it's a fantastic system. I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, Mike can be out on the road and he can add an event to one of his calendars on his iPhone which is then automatically synchronised to his desktop via MobileMe. Um, that in turn gets synchronised to me via BusySync. So um, he's out, creates an event, and uh, within seconds I've got that event in my iCal. Or even the other way around. Um, I can add or change an event on a BusySync shared calendar. BusySync in our office then synchronises that to Mike's desktop, which obviously does have to be left on, which it already is anyway for spam processing. Uh, that then synchronises via mobile me to his phone and he has access with it on the phone. Yeah, and the great thing is that iCal doesn't have to be actually be running because uh, BusySync runs in the background. It's uh, activated and configured via preference pane in the system preferences. And um, for more information, um, we talked about BusySync, oh, a good two years ago now. And um, the question got asked, 
is it possible to use BusySync to share calendars between multiple accounts on a single Mac? And uh, yes, it is. And I wrote out, out the instructions. So um, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. And again, cost effective. It's only £16 per computer. And there's discounts available as well for more than five licenses. So um, that's available from BusyMac.com. One of the problems that I have is that uh, I use Outlook at work and I want to be able to have my Outlook calendar available at home on my Mac and also whilst I'm out on my iPhone. I don't need to be able to sync it to where I can enter or edit on the phone, the Mac or on Outlook and have the other devices update. It's really just a case of wanting to have my work applications, both uh, past and future, available so that uh, when I'm not at work, uh, suppose you know we're out somewhere and we get an email bouncing in. It could be on a, a Saturday, an email bounces in about an Apple event or an Adobe seminar, and we think, oh, that looks good. I want to be able to check immediately what I'm doing on that day so I know whether I can uh, book the day off. I did a, a lot of research on this, but I found that most of the solutions involve things that I can't do due to corporate IT restrictions. Things like connecting the iPhone to Exchange Server, uh, and using third-party applications, um, which I'm not allowed to install on my works machine. They're ones that um, that work with, um, with Outlook. Uh, there's one called Google Calendar Sync, and that seems to be a popular one. It's uh, one that installs on, on Windows, and it lets you sync your Outlook calendar to your Google Calendar. So the solution that I came up with was actually to upload my Outlook calendar to my Google Calendar and then subscribe to the Google Calendar. I actually subscribe to the Google Calendar via BusySync, but that's only because iCal's support for Google Calendar is fairly recent, but I could just as easily subscribe straight from iCal. Does that make sense so far? Uh, it does to me. <laughs> Good. <does> to me. <laughs> Although, as I say, there's actually Outlook add-ins to sync with Google, I can't install them, so the process that I have to go through is quite manual. Manually, what I do is I export the Google Calendar as a CSV file, which I save to my desktop. I then log into my Google account and I import the CSV file into the calendar, which I set up called Mike's Work Schedule. And that's the one that iCal or BusySync is subscribed to. However, before I import, what I've got to do is I've got to delete the contents of the whole Google Calendar because otherwise I'd end up with duplicate appointments and also appointments that have been deleted from Outlook. Say I have a meeting that's cancelled and that will still be there in Google. And that's because you're doing an import and not a sync because Google Calendar doesn't have the uh, ability to actually just do a, a proper synchronization where it says, oh, this has been deleted from Outlook, so I'll delete it from Google. Oh, this already exists in Google and it's a duplicate, so I won't import it. Now, I actually started this whole uh, Google thing last year. So the first time I did it, I think, was in, in April. And I wanted the whole of 2008. So I set the Google, I set the Outlook to export to CSV from January the 1st to May the 30th. So it picked up some appointments that were in the near future. I don't actually have a set time to do this. Maybe I should do it weekly. Um, I think daily it, it would be ideal, but it, it is quite time consuming the further into the year you get. So the next time I did an export, I again set Outlook to export from January the 1st, but then I did it for uh, a, a few weeks after the next date that I was um, exporting it from. I then fired up Google Calendar, deleted all the appointments for 2008 and imported the CSV file. 
What actually takes the time is the export to CSV because I'm exporting from day one to a few weeks after the current date. The further into the year you get, the more appointments there are. So when you get to the end of December and you've got to do an export of Outlook for the whole year, you can be sat there for quite a while whilst it's doing its export. And also the dialog box is modal, so you can't actually do anything else in Outlook. And there is no little cross either, so you can't actually bomb out of it apart from doing Alt-Control-Delete. So when I got to the end of 2008, what I did is I created a new calendar in iCal called Mike Work 2008 and then I used Calibrate to move all the events from the Work 1 to the Work 2008 one and BusyStink is still subscribed to the Work Google calendar and the process continues for 2009 etc etc. This is reminding me of how hideous my system was when I was using Outlook and I had it archiving by month and uh, once you got to about the 20th of the month everything started going slower so it was fantastic for the first week of the month but by the time you got to the end it was agony and that was just with the mail. Yeah, so I feel your pain. I've actually considered having um, say 12 separate um, calendars uh, in Outlook in, um, in iCal and then using Calibrate at the end of the year to bring them all together. You see, you're coming around to my way of thinking that they're not really calendars, mm. are they? They're categories. They are. Um, they're there to help you. And uh, you could always create a group for the year and then have uh, monthly ones, like you're saying, to uh, speed up the process. Um, one thing that you, that you mentioned there was um, the way that you delete everything in the calendar and then uh, re-import and that you're subscribed via BusySync. Uh, but now you could subscribe via iCal. One thing I've found with iCal is um, if I make a lot of changes, especially using something like Calibrate, I can find on another machine that's synchronized via mobile me, I get a message telling me that I've changed more than X percent of the events. And do I really want to do that? So you could find uh, via mobile me that you you need to um, interact with it more than you would with BusySync, which just seems to synchronize quietly in the background and assume that you know what you want to do. So it might be better to leave it via BusySync. Yeah, uh, I'll take that point. I think I will. Yeah, I've I've tend to see it. I only have two machines synchronizing via mobile me, but uh, it's very annoying when you see that message and you think. When did that message appear? Because, you know, I've not looked at that laptop for like six hours and I'm not sure which changes I've made and which I haven't. And that's a good time to do what we've talked about with backing up the whole folder and then looking at it, reading it through. And if it's not right when you've finished, just shut iCal down on the laptop and copy everything through from, uh, w w you know, for me, it's my desktop that's my main machine. But for other people who are on the road, it could be going back the other way. You have to watch out for that um, changing a lot of events because um, iCal or MobileMe or whatever is synchronising the two can get a little bit upset about a lot of changes. But BusySync doesn't seem to. It just seems to synchronise quite nicely. And uh, one last little application that I use uh, with iCal is called Today. And um, very simple, it just gives me a dedicated window which I can set to always stay on top, showing me the appointments and if I used it for tasks, which I don't, uh, the tasks for a single day from iCal. Um, now it doesn't just show you today, um, it does by default, that's what it opens up to, but you do have little navigation buttons at the top and you can navigate between the days. You can also use it um, to add both appointments and tasks to iCal via its own little application. 
Um, there's a couple of other options on there. One is a button to show you the options and the other uh, is you can print a list of your appointments and your tasks. So it's just a very simple printout, just a list, but might prove useful if you're away from your machine. Uh, less so with an iPhone, I'd suspect, as you'd have that with you. And um, the only thing that stops me relying on it 100%, I'm really waiting uh, for the ability to specify a time zone when I create an appointment. And at the moment that is missing. Um, I bought the app anyway, uh, it's £9.99, uh, that is, so £9.95. Pence. I think I got it on one of these uh, today only type offers as well, so I think I paid less than £5 for it. Uh, literally just to have a view of iCal for my for tasks I've got, well, appointments I have today without actually having iCal open because I do like to have iCal just showing me um, the month. So I don't want to have to go and change the view and make the window a lot smaller. So uh, this shows me everything I need to see. But from using it to add um, appointments, I'd really like the ability to uh, specify the time zone. So I mailed the developer and um, it's on the list of things to do. So hopefully it will get there eventually. Uh, and that's called Today from Second Gear Software. So um, that's another one that I use. So have we covered everything with uh, what we do with our calendars, do you think? I think we have. Yeah, and we even had... Um, we even had the, the issue, shall we say, with iCal earlier. <laughs> which we won't mention again. Bad, bad news even thinking about that. But on to feedback and comments from you guys. Uh, thanks for all the feedback from last week, both on the website and on Twitter as well. And I see that Lucy C found all the shortcut keys useful. And she'll said she's going to give Tinker Tool a try as well. So um, for those who missed it, shame on you. Tinker Tool uh, was the application that gives you additional preferences um, and the, the ones that we mentioned were, she said frantically trying to think what they were, it was uh, the file format of your screenshots and the location to save them and I also have used Tinker Tool to uh, lock the dock and that works very very well as well. So uh, Tinker Tool, a nice freebie one. And we have events as well don't we? We do have events. The next MacBytes live event is the 16th of July at 8 o'clock BST, that's 8 o'clock in the evening, and it's getting video and audio on the web in Flash. More information can be found on digital-iq.co.uk. And the Northwest Mac User Group hold their next meeting on the 9th of July at 8 o'clock BST again in the evening, and uh, iWork09 is the topic. And don't forget, there's now a subscribable, uh, subscribable calendar and downloads for individual ICS files available from the show notes for these events. And I insist everybody goes and subscribes and downloads them after all the trouble I went to and the grief I had to suffer doing it. Things should be easier than this, you know. And one last potential event. It's only a potential event. Um, there is a Facebook group and... Um, it is for NAP members who are requesting, nay, demanding that the Photoshop guys from NAP, the National Association of Photoshop Professionals, visit the UK. Um, there was um, an event a good few years ago now, almost three years ago, when Bert Monroy came to town. Uh, he came to London for a one day event and I won a ticket for it. So uh, we went down there and it was a fantastic event. Um, but the guys who've put together this Facebook group um, are requesting that the other Photoshop guys come. So I'm assuming they mean Scott Kelby 
uh, Mac Laskowski, Dave Cross and anybody else from NAP. We are demanding that they visit the UK and what they're, they're trying to do is drum up support for this. So if you're a Facebook user, uh, we'll put a link to the Facebook group which is a, a hideously long complicated URL and uh, if you join this group and um, express your wish that uh, the guys do indeed come to Britain. That would uh, be most, most benefit to uh, all of us, really, because I would certainly go and see them. So that would be uh, really good if they came to visit. And what uh, NAP have actually said is, um, if there's enough demand, they will. So um, the people who've created the Facebook book, um, oh dear me, Facebook group. I'm not, I'm not mentioning Facebook again. I'm not very good with Facebook to start with. <laughs> no, I can't seem to say it either. Right, <clears throat> Facebook group. Um, the guys who have created it request that we all join and demand um, that they come and join us in Britain. So that would indeed be great. So if you are a Photoshop user or um, interested in photography in any way, shape or form, do go and join that group and uh, hopefully they'll come and join us. But uh, now I've put my teeth back in. And believe me, it got worse than that, but that's all for the outtake show. Uh, that's it for this episode of Mac Bites. As always, we would love to hear from you. So send your questions, comments, queries by email to macbytesuk at gmail.com or even send us an audio file. And you can keep up to date with what we're doing on the website at macbytes.co.uk and on Twitter at twitter.com slash macbytes. And I'm on Twitter too at twitter.com slash Elaine Giles. And you are there as twitter.com slash Thomas Mike. But until next time, this has been Elaine and Mike bringing you MacBytes. Goodbye and see you next time. Goodbye. <laughs>